Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. As I record this introduction, it's Saturday morning and I'm sitting here enjoying a big mug of bottom gun coffee. This morning I'm drinking their morning blend, which is my absolute favorite. I hope you're doing well today. Thank you for being a subscriber to this show and tuning in each week. You know, I work hard to bring you interesting guests, and I hope each one helps you along your leadership journey. But before we get started, I wanted to share some exciting news with you. My latest leadership book, All in the Same Boat, Lead Your Organization Like a Nuclear Submariner, hit the bestsellers list on Amazon just two weeks after we launched it. That was amazing and incredibly unexpected. So thank you to those who ordered a book and helped make this happen. If you pre-ordered a book on my website, you should have your copy by now. Although the folks in uh, the UK, Australia, Canada, Russia, India, uh, there'll there'll be some delay getting there. But, um, you know, I encourage you to look in your mailbox if you haven't got your book already. I keep seeing people post pictures of the book on social media, and I want to encourage you guys to keep that up. I'm an independent author by choice, so your support really helps get the word out. If you purchase the book on Amazon, please leave a review. That always helps future buyers understand what the book's all about. And if you haven't purchased your copy yet, well, what are you waiting for? Pause this podcast and go to allinthesameboatbook.com to purchase a signed copy, or you can go to Amazon and purchase either the paperback or Kindle version. The Audible version will be available in a few months. We're working on it now, and it's going to be awesome. Thank you again for everyone who supported this book launch. I'm extremely proud of how this book came out, and I know you will enjoy it. I guarantee it will be the most interesting leadership book you read this year. If you're looking to support what I do on the show, purchase one of my books or visit my sponsors, BottomGunCoffee.com or IHaveTheWatch.com, and both use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. Today, I have a very special guest, Kevin McCarney. Kevin is an inspirational business leader who has been an incredibly successful entrepreneur for nearly 40 years. He is the founder of a popular group of restaurants in California called Paquito Mas. He's also an expert in one-on-one communications. He's written a book called Big Brain, Little Brain, which has made me think twice about how I communicate with others. This was a thought-provoking interview that I know you'll enjoy. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kevin McCarney. Kevin is the founder of a popular group of restaurants in California called Paquito Mas, which he has led since 1984. He's a successful entrepreneur, speaker, and now an author. He has written a new book called Big Brain, Little Brain, How to Control Which One Speaks for You, where he helps his readers become better communicators by getting control over their tone and their words. In a time where anything you text, post, or even blurt out can go viral instantly, having control over your words is critical to your success. And as we know, the best leaders are great communicators. So I'm excited to have Kevin on the show 
to help us become better communicators. So Kevin, welcome to the show. John, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I really appreciate the time. Well, I'm honored that you're here because I'm really excited to hear about your story, but also about how we can become better communicators. Because I think with your history and your experience, you've been around a lot of people for a lot of, a lot of years. So I'm really excited to hear from your uh, tremendous experience in this. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll give you whatever tidbits I can to help me along the way. <laughs> well, good. So before we get started, um, you know, one of the things I lo- I was reading before uh, getting ready for this is that you had a lot of jobs before you became an entrepreneur and before you started your restaurant business. I mean, some crazy stuff. You had a paper route. You were a janitor, a switchboard operator, a busboy, a waiter, a manager. You were a doorman at the Grauman Chinese Theater. You were a tour guide at Universal Studios, and eventually you became a corporate trainer. And my question to you is, how did all these jobs uh, earlier in your career, how did they help set the stage for you to want to become an entrepreneur? Well, every one of them is working with people a lot, mm. and, 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 and I really... I realized I liked working with people, but I also realized there were so many different situations that people were in. And I, I noticed some different things happening, patterns in which people would respond it, within my own large family that, you know, growing up with a bunch of older brothers and sisters. And then when I got to the Chinese theater, we're dealing with the public and hundreds of people a day coming from all over the world and different situations, different languages, and, and different ways to communicate. And then going on to Universal Studios, you know, same thing. But the, the one thing I noticed is that when people were under pressure, I saw a pattern emerge. Mm. And, and it's when they were under pressure and when they're traveling, there's, there's, they're always under pressure. They're also under the influence of being tired and hungry and, you know, not knowing, you know, that, that whole not knowing exactly what to say. So there was I, I got to really try to read them and, and focus on them. But I really think that I saw this pattern emerge of communication. And I realized that in the pressure of the moment, a lot of people will say the wrong thing, mm. you know, and that will have a ripple effect on that moment and maybe later than that. But especially uh, at Universal Studios, I, I noticed the, the different situations. And so I started paying attention to how they were communicating with each other mm-hmm. because I got into management in, in almost every one of these positions and I had to lead other people. So I had to teach these other people how to handle the public and how to handle people and how to handle different situations. Because even it doesn't matter if, if I can do that, if I can't teach my team to do it, mm. you know, then, then I'm just, I'm, I'm a weak leader. So I had to help. I had to look for ways to teach them. And that's when I came up with the, um, big brain, little brain concept, which is my feeling is it's, it's the reptilian brain, as I do my research on this stuff, fighting the, the neocortex over the emotions of the limbic system, you know, and it's it's really the three brains there, but the reptilian brain, that fight or flight brain that everybody mm, talks about, Yes. oh, it's fight or flight, and they say, yeah, okay, and then the, the neocortex was like, no, that's not the right thing to say, so you have, you have these two brains fighting each other, and and you want to find different tools to how to get them. You want the big brain to win. And, and so that's what I started doing as I started going on. I started to develop this whole system of communication, especially training other people how to communicate. 
Okay. No, I like this a lot. So before we get deep into the book and deep about this, uh, the communication side, tell everybody about um, Paquito Mas, those of us who are not in California right now. What do you, what do, you do? How many restaurants do you have? And uh, what kind of, I mean, you've been doing it since 1984, a long time. So uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about the restaurant. Thank you. I, um, I had worked in the corporate world for about a decade and a corporate trainer. And uh, as much as I enjoyed the paychecks, I, I really wanted more freedom in how I treated people and how I dealt with people. Uh, and I fell in love with Mexican food when I was 17. <laughs> I my, had my first real taco. Uh, every, everything before that was the hard shell 1950s stuff. Um, and I fell in love with Mexican food and I just couldn't believe there was this much flavor. And so I started working in the industry and I, I decided at one point I need to go out on my own, even if I don't make it, even if, if I fail, I have got to go out on my own because I want to manage my own. I want to create my own culture of the company. Cause I didn't, some of the companies I was in, I wasn't as fond of their culture. Uh, so I decided I needed to do this. And so I went, I opened up a little 600 square foot place uh, with my only uh, myself for the first two months. And then I hired my first employee who I still have working with me today. Wow. Uh, and so 37 years later, we have uh, nine restaurants. We're not in any hurry. We, we just, we do everything from scratch. We make every tortilla from scratch. We make all the salsas. We make the, uh, the cheese. We, we, we don't, have cows or anything, but you know we we are doing everything from scratch, and because that's what makes it taste great. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, I'm getting hungry just listening to you <laughs> to you describe it right now. So, yeah. um, and again, I, it's a business that I'm still in. I yeah, been doing, yeah. I'm, this is what I do. That's incredible. That's incredible. And you know, it's interesting because um, you know you chose a career as you mentioned before you. You had a lot of brothers and sisters. You you worked in jobs where you had to. You were with the public. You had to do a lot of communication, um, and you went into the restaurant business, which requires you're going to be around a lot of people, whether it's the public, and uh, whether it's going to be employees and what have you. And and how did how did this background really get you started in thinking about communications? You mentioned a little bit about you know observing people in you know at, at uh, Universal Studios and seeing the way people would respond. But did you see that as you, as you started your restaurant, you kept seeing those same themes? Same themes, same patterns. And what I realized when I was in the corporate world, uh, I realized that training for, for the corporate world is an event. Mm. It's a check the box event. It is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. We, we train them on this. We're good. We train them on this. We're good. We're done. And what I realized is that training is not an event. You know, an event is just the beginning. An event is of training is, is planting the seeds of what you want the culture to grow into. And what I learned is what I try to do in our own company is nurture those seeds. Have that event training where you're teaching them something, whatever that particular skill is, and then have them help them grow into that. Remind mm. them what the culture is. Remind them what's going on, because you can't just do an event and think people got it. You know, you can't just think, oh, I, I, I've, I told them about that. That doesn't work in leadership. Yeah. You know, in leadership, you know this. And, you know, I mean, my gosh, as a commander like that in the ship and the things, you've got so many different people doing so many different things. You've got to teach them why they need to do it. Yes. And when I got into communication, I realized um, I had to really help them communicate with other people. I had to help 
employees handle people who were angry and, and who were upset. Yeah, and yeah. You see, you see it a lot in the news right now. Somebody gets the wrong order at a restaurant. And, oh, and, yeah. And they go ballistic. There's they, riots. I mean, they're I, show, I, yeah, exactly. Pardon, it's crazy. pardon the expression. I'm so sorry about that. They, they go, they go little brain. Right? They, they go, go little, little brain. Yeah, they go yeah. little brain. They yeah. go little brain. It's like I'm looking at this and going, oh, my gosh. And I feel so sorry for some of the employees there. And it's just like you have people that aren't trained to realize that they don't have to be angry or be or say something. To, or if, if something goes wrong, yes, things are going to go wrong. Yeah, and so yeah. we have to train our employees how to handle that person when they're in that state of mind. When they're in the little brain, we have to teach them not to follow because you, the Customers are, this is not going to sound really good for someone in my business, but the customers are not always right. <laughs> and there's, there's always, there's sometimes when the customers are absolutely wrong, but in that moment that you're dealing with them, they honestly believe they are. Yeah, exactly. That's what we have to deal with. So yeah. we have to bring them back. You know, the restaurant, uh, the word restaurant comes from the word restore, uh, uh, French word to restaurant. And the story about that is a man in 1765 couldn't get into any of the food unions in Paris. So he created his own little soups and stews and put a sign in his window that says, come in, you weary travelers, and, and my food will restore you. So when we're training our employees, we're, re- we're training them, hey, physiologically, a lot of these people are coming in low blood sugar. Right. right? Yeah. So they're, they're, they're coming in. They're, they're practically starving. By yeah. the time they get to our door. So they're physiologically, there's a, there's something happy there where it's not letting them be the, the normal human being sometimes that they want to be. Our job is to restore them. You know, and if a mistake is made, it doesn't matter who made the mistake. Yeah. Just just get them what they want. And there's it's just a uh, there's a couple of the stories about great employees uh, re- interaction with customers in the book, but it really comes down to not letting somebody else's little brain moment uh, decide what you're going to do. Yeah. Don't let, don't let that be your decision maker. I love that. That's really neat. You know, I was uh, looking through the book and uh, in the beginning, you talk about when you were a uh, tour guide at Universal Mm -hmm. Studios and you, um, you talk about an epiphany you had uh, (laughs) where you had a choice on how to react to a current, you know, the situation you were in. And why do you think that moment was so impactful? And why did you include it in the book? Because you had to go back a number of years to pull that story and put that in the book. So why is that? Why does that story stand out? And what what happened? Explain what happened and where, what was the epiphany? It was thank you, because it's really the first time in my life I realized I had a choice. Mm. You know, I grew up in a very reactionary environment. <laughs> Well, a bunch of older brothers where, you know, number one thing is win the argument, right? right win the right. argument at the dinner table. Right. Win the argument at the dinner table is like it, like killing the lion. It's like, it's now you're a man. Okay, you won the argument. Um, <laughs> and so winning the argument was no problem for me. As a tour guide, I'm, I'm there and it was a really incredibly hot day in LA, maybe 110 or, and buses were breaking down, trams were breaking down, everything was breaking down, nothing was happening, right? Everybody was was really hot and, and upset. And the tourists had to wait three hours oh, in the wow. sun to get on a tram. Now, as a tour guide, I'm in the air-conditioned little break room, right, waiting. And I, I get a, hear the loudspeaker, Kevin, tram on the right. It's a big group from Europe. They are so pissed. 
And, and so I said, I feel like I've been fed to the lions. Yeah. Great. I get out there and I'm, I'm walking down the car and I'm talking, I try to make eye contact always with people just trying to, you know, start with that. And by the time I get to the front where my seat is, the tour group leader grabs my arm and says, Hey, take us back to our bus. We're not going to do this. You, we're not, you, you can't do this to us. And I looked at him, I said, it's above my pay grade, sir. You're going to have to sit down because we're moving. And the driver caught right away and he started moving, just jerked tram a little bit. So the guy sat down and he says, fine, crosses his arm and says, fine, we will, we will, we will be here, but we will not have a good time. There's no way you can make us laugh. Nothing. So I'm thinking my 19-year-old snarky self who knows how to win arguments, right? I've got a microphone, 128 people on the tram and for an hour and a half. I'm just not going to give them a great tour. I'm just, I, I was just. I was, you know, that snarky 19-year-old who wants to get back at anybody who said right. anything wrong. Right. And that's that's definitely a little brain. So within a five or six seconds, I look up, and in the front row of the second car, uh, a, a family from the Midwest had gotten stuck with this group. You could tell by their T-shirts that they were from the Midwest. but And they were in the same sun, beat red, and and they had smiles on their face. And I looked at them and I went, oh, my gosh. And I, and I instantly decided I've got to give these people a great tour. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ignore the other 124 angry arms crossed, brows furled people around them. I'm going to give these people a great tour. Just these people. Well, within 10 or 15 minutes, everybody else started coming along on the tour. Yeah. Except, yeah. except to leave the group. And what happened is what I realized is that I, I was giving these people a great tour and and by ignoring the negativity, uh, they were all these people were pulled into the fun. They were pulled mm. into that fun moment. Yeah. And this family was having a great time. At the end, the, everybody from the tour group came up and thanked me. The the leader did not, but everybody else did. And the family from the Midwest had waited to speak to me. And as I see everybody getting off the tram, the, this is a one of those metaphors for you, you want to be careful when you're in uh, uh a situation where you can get back at somebody or say something right, wrong. Right. The last row of the last car, I see one of my supervisors getting off. So this was a audited tour. Oh, wow. Check you once in a while to find out how good you are. Uh, so can you imagine the 19 year old snarky kid, the little great guy <laughs> had won that argument. Right. 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 And, and probably lost his job. But instead, because of that family, so that the family in Midwest says, Hey, the father says, you really turned that group around because they were not happy. I said, well, I didn't. You did. You gave me permission to give a really good tour because you smiled. And, and I said, I was going to give a completely different tour because I was not happy with them. Yeah. And, and, and to this day, I can feel the mother's hand on my shoulder. And she looks at me, she says, well, we want to thank you so much for giving us that tour because this is the only time we're ever going to be in California. Uh, and because you chose to give us that tour, it just made our vacation. Wow. And so when she said chose, I don't know yeah. what it was, but it was like a little vibration hit. And it's like the, I had the choice to destroy their vacation if right. I had this night uh, or, uh, or in, in, in this case, simply by the way I responded, mm. simply by my response, simply by taking that, that moment and, completely shifting into uh, I want to take care of these people Mm. from being totally angry to I'm going to give these people a great tour. 
I honestly did not know I had that in me. Mm. And so that fascinated me. So I kept studying uh, re- response and reaction with, you know, and I just, I kept g- gathering these notes until, you know, and throughout all my career, I had to understand how, what was happening. And obviously um, it's that neocortex, the big brain versus the, the reptilian little brain kind of fighting for the control of the moment. And in this case, because that family was there, the big brain got to win. Yeah. So it's interesting because you, as you say right there, you have a choice when those situations happen, you can take, you can go down one way or another way, you know, um, it's, it's, I think of, you know, when you're in the car, you're in the vehicle and someone cuts you off, right? Your, (laughs) your, your small brain is, is going to get on the horn. You might, you know, flash the finger, you might get all upset and start yelling. Um, but you have a choice in that moment, too, on how you react to that situation. You have a choice of whether you just let it go, you know, or do you, you know, do you let the little brain take control, little brain versus the big brain? So, you know, you uh, you talk about in the book of this idea of of, you know, being present, but also taking that deep breath before responding to others. You know, that that word. Where does this idea come from is taking that deep breath and pausing and actually having and making a choice on how you're going to respond? Well, thank you. You know, we've always heard oh, count to 10, take a deep breath. Right, and, this other right. stuff. and it's really important. But when I was giving presentations, I was giving presentations to a business group uh, on a Monday uh, and I was given a big brain, little brain. And, and, and you can see some people got it right away. And yeah. some people said, well, you know, I'm not qu- quick enough to get to my big brain. You know, I, I, I can't get there. Right, that fast. I said, okay, that's interesting. I started taking some notes and telling them what they could do. And four days later, I'm teaching a group that I was called in to help these people. There were, it was a uh, charity group that was teaching people coming out of prison culinary skills. Oh, wow. So, so that they could get a job in the restaurant business. It was a 14 week program. My part of the program, I came in, I would teach them how to handle the pressure of the moment in the kitchen when things yeah. went wrong. Yeah. And what was fascinating is I'm doing a presentation, I'm giving a big brain, little brain, and I, I, the same group of people I got it right away. And some people said, I, I, I can't get there right away. And so I realized I had to give them someplace to go. Instead of just saying fight or flight, or saving just, you know, saying, oh, it's, it's you know, just choose the right response. You know, here's the list of words. Choose these instead of those. I, I had to give them a place to go where they could ponder, if even for a couple moments, to, to, so that they could shift. And once they realized, some, like in the book, we have a whole section on activators, things that activate us. Yeah, things yeah. That, things that annoy us. Yeah. Right? Things that really bother us. And that's so in the spectrum of triggered i don't use the word triggered anywhere in the book i use activated activated is kind of the beginning yeah yeah it's it's activated but you haven't done or said anything yet and so you know to me somebody talking in a movie theater that's an activator right right right. you know and you point uh somebody cuts you off in the car you're in a big hurry and there's the person in front of you is not making a left turn when you can see it's perfectly safe for them to do so and you simply can't communicate with them to get right. it done. Right. You have different things, you know, um, being hungry, you know, is, yeah. is, is yeah. you know, being hungry, being tired. These are all, and I, I tell people, there's all these activators in our life. We have to be careful because that's where little brain, that's, that's where little brain wants to take over and say the wrong thing, snap at somebody. And, and it really does come down to uh, 
when I was teaching these groups, I had to give them a place to go. So I developed a concept called neutral. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll, I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge, extremely strong coffee, to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium, certified, organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffee.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. Getting to neutral is a place where you can pivot. Yeah. Just think about it where you can pivot. It's like you can rebalance and, you know, in, um, uh, in, in the martial arts world, they have this thing called slipping the punch, where somebody's coming at you and they're throwing a punch, you stand to the side, you let their entire energy go by. So you can rebalance and shift them how you're going to respond. So a lot of these things are, are like that, where you, if you know these things, actually, there are certain people that I know, you know, they say, oh, that person, right? We're going to, they're yeah, going to be at the yeah. party, right? So if you know that's happening, you can correct that before you go in. You can challenge yourself. Just say, no, stay. Don't let little brain take over the, any part of this conversation. Yeah. Don't let it do that. Because what what we do in neutral is we give people a neutral word to say. Okay. And this is what was the most cha- challenging thing because it, the idea of neutral is easy. But the concept of, of, of getting into when you're under pressure yeah, but yeah. You can read, um, and, and so the under pressure is when you realize I had to give them something, a, a tool that they could use when they got to neutral, not just take a breath or breathe and count to 10. What are you doing counting to 10? What are you, what are you thinking about? You have to yeah. give them a direction. So we give them, a, as, as you see, a list of words they can use. And a lot of people already have a neutral word. Okay. Right? They, they just don't think of it as a tool. Right. Yeah. I got home from a really long day at work. Oh, maybe 18 hours, plumbing, electrical issues, everything, <laughs> everything. But 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 the restaurant business, I'm exhausted. And I get home and I go in about eight o'clock at night. I think oh, I'm just going to relax. It's going to be easy. Fifty kids in my house singing <laughs> at the top of their lungs. Right. Because it was my daughters were in something called show choir. And and 
you know, you, you, that's when you, you got to be so careful. And all I did was I went, okay, what have we got going here? <laughs> so, you know, cause my, my neutral word, the thing that I use the most and it gives a couple other ones is okay. Uh, okay. You know, okay. Because, and you've got to do it in that, in that pleasant tone of voice so that it makes sure that they're getting the right tone. And so instead of just, because you walk in, and you go, okay, right? Yeah, yeah. Same it's, exact word, yeah. but a completely different message. And, you know, one of the things we talk about in the book is the tone is the message. Yeah, you know, yeah. Especially with people who work for you and even your children, they read your tone. Yeah. They remember yeah. your tone because tone brings feelings. Yeah. You know, and so I, you, and you learn, we, as kids, I think we learned from the time we're infants we learn how to read our parents' tone. Yeah, we don't know yeah. what they're saying. Right, right. No clue of the words, but we know the tone. And mm. so we never really separate our ability to separate the tone and the words because we know that what that tone means because the words can be in, in conflict with the tone. So if yeah. you put those in alignment, you get a lot more powerful message com- coming forward. I, I really like that. I, I know in my latest book, I tell the story of how I, I was at the officer deck on on the submarine, and we had a lot of maintenance to get done that night. And I had one of one of the other officers was he kept delaying it because I had because he had some other things he had to get done, and and I had the pressure of I had to get all this stuff done before the end of the mid watch because we had a lot of drills happening in the morning, and I was under stress. And he kept t- it seemed like he was taking his time doing his project, which was preventing me from doing my maintenance. And I completely lost it. And I talk about it in the book. How I just I called him every name in the book, and I created some new names, <laughs> but it, and just it wasn't a good. And 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 what what I didn't do is I didn't I went completely small brain reacting to because I was under the pressure, right. you know, in the moment. And what you're saying is that there's this there's a neutral place that you need to get to, and there's a neutral word that, and it's the way you think about it and say it. And if I can, I just imagine myself saying, okay, you know, or <laughs> <laughs> so this is the way it's going to be, you know, and, and, and sort of accepting it, uh, and, um, you know, and getting that chance to pause and, and let your, you know, your big brain actually answer that or respond to it. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny, uh, the, the book's called big brain, little brain. And I know half the book really well, by the way, just so <laughs> you, you don't feel alone there. Uh, but it, it really comes down to to not only using the right tone, but if you can use your neutral word, mm-hmm. it, it, it sends, it's a mnemonic thing. It sends a signal to your big brain to take over. Ah, right? yeah. It's, you say, okay, right? If, yeah. so if you train yourself and if you, you know, athletes train 90% of the time, yeah, right? Yeah. Even on a ship, you guys train. All you do is train for that one moment when you've got to react exactly like, like uh, yeah, yeah. perfectly, right? So you got to train your brain. You got to do this, this verbal training, you know, the, the verbal muscle memory training. Yep. So practice your neutral words, practice your neutral phrases. Maybe yeah. it's a phrase and it doesn't have to be just a word, you know, and you, and you practice it in the right tone of voice because then it's just instinct when yeah, something, yeah. something goes wrong. Somebody cuts you off. Somebody is at a baseball game and they're, they're screaming obscenities because they don't like the uniform you're wearing or the hat you're wearing, you know, sports activities is pretty ripe for little brain activity. Yeah. Yeah. Add alcohol to that. And you get, (laughs) that's it. 
right? And so, but you do, you, you end up, you, you end up, if you have that neutral word, you know, and it's not just fight or flight, there is a neutral. And yeah. Viktor Frankl, I, and I highlight him in the book, he's a tremendous neuropsychologist from the 40s. He identified, he said, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And that space is where we make our choices and that's our freedom and our, and our future. And it's, it's just such a brilliant uh, thing. And th- that, I got to tell you, it's the same thing. We have a choice. And that's why I try not to use the word triggered anywhere because I don't want people to think that they don't have control anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they do have control. Because neutral is like an instant awareness yeah, yeah. of the moment you're in. And now you know you have to pivot. And if you don't know exactly what to say, that's okay. Because we there's a chapter in the book on um, words and we call, we talk about um, um, time parachutes, right? Phrases that you can use when you're under pressure and you don't know what to say. It's like, like that. It's like, hmm, I got to give that some thought before I respond. Or, yeah. oh, that's interesting. Let me ponder that. But the idea is have these phrases ready and make so, natural to you. I mean, there's some in the book, but you can make them natural to yourself make them so natural and practice them because they're part of that neutral where you'll be able to escape, you know, and take a parachute away from a horrible situation. So you don't say anything wrong, you know? Yeah. I really like that. Especially, you know, in, 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 you know, you, you lead your business, you know, you're a leader. People are looking. I always say that as a leader, you're on stage, right? Everyone's eyes are on you and how you, respond and react to the day's events the the organization tends to be that way too so if you're if you're frustrated or if uh you're upset or you're losing your cool all the time you know because of the the events of the day your your employees are going to be that way too so you're you know as, as a leader you're setting the stage so you know the more so let's talk a little bit about that the more you use your big brain right as a leader what does it do with your team? How does that how does that impact your team? It's you know leadership is trust. Hmm. You know if they don't trust you, they're not you're not leading. You know you can be a, you can have the quote authority and and the title, but you're not leading if you don't hmm. have trust. Trust is everything. I don't care what level of business you're in. If everything comes down to trust, because you you've got to be people have got to trust you and. You know, it, it's you are the culture of the company as a leader. Who, who you are is the culture of the company, and and how you respond and treat people—that's the culture of the company. You know, no matter how big it really gets, everybody knows, everybody hears everything. Right. You know, there's no such thing as secrets anymore. No, right? There's no, <laughs> no such thing. You know, and you know, we have this thing called the internet, which is fascinating because unless you and I talk right here. But it's also something that lets people. It's a. It can be a little brain enabler if we're not careful. It is, yeah, so big time, it, yeah, big time. And so, you, and and we'll talk about something else in a minute. But one of the things that I think that we developed, and uh, I'm going to give Patty, who's been with me for 30 years, a lot of credit for this because we went back and forth. Is you know we have a, a t- two team members, phenomenal manager, phenomenal chef. Really good people, but all of a sudden they weren't talking to each other. And we don't, they didn't like each other. And, and all of a sudden, you know, it was starting to affect the team. It was affecting the entire culture. We couldn't understand. We sat them down. Is there any problem? No, no. 
they they went nothing. So Pan, we said, okay, what is it? What's I don't know. I said, well, let's try something else. And so I said, we called the manager. We said, okay, you have a meeting tomorrow. Because Patty and I had talked this out ahead of time. All right. What are the three things that she does extremely well, this chef? Mm-hmm. Well, I can think of three things she doesn't do well. I said, ah, I, get, <laughs> I get that. Okay. A little brain comment. I let it go. Right. Um, but what is she? Well, fine. She's always on time. Her uniform is impeccable. She's really fast at what, her job. I said, okay. That's all I need right now. Tomorrow, when you have the meeting, she's not going to be there because she's on vacation. But she's uh, taking a vacation day. I want you to finish the meeting after you've gone through all the numbers and matrix. I want you to finish the meeting with with those three things that she does really well. Say, oh, yeah, she's not here right now, but she does this, this, and as well. I just really appreciate the fact that she does her job so well. And end the meeting right there. No other discussion. Don't add just through that. 24 hours later, she walks in the door. She's in there working and and she gets there earlier. He walks in the door the next day after the meeting and he he hears, Robert, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, I just want to show you a couple of things. And all of a sudden, whatever had been negative between them had been erased Mm. because she had heard in 24 hours that he had said something really nice about her when she wasn't there. Mm. And this was a fascinating discussion and discovery because what it discovered is that the rest of the team members were caught on and really began to trust this manager more because they know there was angst between them. And yet he didn't take advantage of that, that she wasn't there and dissed her. Instead, he said something nice about her, which to her signaled respect. Yeah. And, yeah. All, and, and it just changed without having to say it, because if you have to say it, it's not necessarily the same thing. But it was sincere because it was yeah. thinking she really does do well. And what it, what it taught us is that that gossip, which is a normal um, cancer to any culture right. or company, uh, can be turned into an advantage if it's good gossip. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, all of a sudden you can strategically use a good gossip because you're motivating somebody who's not there. Yeah, you're also yeah. sending a signal to the team that they can trust you. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I like that a lot. I think, and I think, like you said, it's really important that you do build build trust and with your with your employees, but how you communicate with employees and and that you you know that you that you that you're supporting so you know like when you have those bosses that talk about their employees other employees behind behind their backs right like i had yeah. a boss who used to do that you call in your room he's like you call him and he call he call you in his office and say what do you, what do you think about jim over there like my colleague i'm like well, he's a great guy he's like you know what well do you think he really knows you know how to how to run his division and I'm like, what is going on here? I mean, you know, that's that's a not a good situation when you're in there because I'm thinking to myself is that when I'm not around, he's he's got my colleagues in there asking about me, you know. So <laughs> so this is not a good situation. And it's and again, it 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 broke down trust because I thought, well, what is he? Why is he asking these questions? And what is absolutely what's happening when I'm not around? You know. So well, that's uh, a, that's a that's a great surmise too because 
it's 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 the beginning of distrust. It you is, know? Yeah. and and it and it it doesn't help the culture. This is yeah. why the leader is the culture. The it leader is, yeah. is the culture. The leader is the one that is planting these seeds on a daily basis and either nurturing them, uh, pulling weeds where you need to. But it really comes down to you. You are the the gardener of, of, of that division or whoever it is. And you're taking care of this stuff, but everybody, everybody is listening to everything you're saying. And in today's world, everybody hears everything. Everybody hears everything and everything is uh, on the internet. <laughs> Eventually it seems <laughs> and, like. So. And, and if we don't, if we have partial information, we fill in the details. We do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, which is do. not always good because we can assume the negative component versus the, the positive component. You know, so we have to be cautious with that. Yeah. The one thing I'm thinking as you're talking through this is, is, you know, we're very, uh, humans are very tribal, right? And our, our little brain is, is trying to protect us, right? From, you know, this, this, is this person in my tribe or not? This is the enemy or, or is it, is my ally, right? And, um, part of moving to the big brain is to say that this, you know, th- this isn't your enemy. This is your coworker. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and um, I know what in, in my new book, I talk a lot about um, one thing we did really well on submarines is we reminded everybody that the enemy was outside the hull. It wasn't <laughs> inside the hull. Right. So, yeah. so your, your enemy was, in, in our case, I was a Cold War sailor, the Soviets and all the sea pressure that was trying to get in. And so we constantly remind each other that the problem wasn't inside the boat. The problem was outside the boat. And I think when I worked in corporate America, it seemed like the problem was inside the company, right? There was a lot of infighting and, you know, kingdom building and, and oh. manipulation that happened. And so you saw a lot of small brain communication because everybody was being really tribal and fighting for their little piece of the pie. And so I think when you're the leader and you're using big brain communication, as you phrase it, if you're taking that time and you're pausing and you're, and you're, you're building trust over time, then people start letting go of their tribes and letting go of their, you know, the internal conflict. And they say, well, wait a second, you know, let's direct our energy towards the real enemies of the business, which is our competition or what have you versus, you know, inside the business. I think that's a really important uh, thing I see just in talking through this and thinking about it. Well, it's absolutely key what you just said, because it's, it's true that in a corporate culture, it's so easy for things to go sideways. And, and if you're in charge of the corporate culture, and that's the one thing leadership is always, you can't point fingers right. because they're all, they're all pointing at you. Right. right? So, yeah. you, you, so in leadership, when, when your boss bringing you in and pointing out to somebody else, you know, he, he's just breaking down trust. And he I is. think that yeah. the, the, the critical part is, you know, we, we all, we all th- go through the day sometimes with these phantom uh, arguments in our head. Well, if this happens, I'm going to say that. Yes. If this happens, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, you know, and, and we, we, we have these because we, we, it's like a frustration we want to get rid of. So we've already played out the argument in our head and we won, right, in our head. So lots of times the, the people get into these situations where in a corporate culture where you just hear a bit of a rumor and then you start assuming, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? And it just, it, it turns into something that only a leader can erase. Yeah. Only a leader can wipe it out but, but yeah. with constant, really good communication. And that's where the leadership comes into, because, you know, um, I think one of the keys to, to the, the big brain, little brain is that 
Um, there is no getting back at anybody. There's no, um, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to wait. I'm, uh, as soon as I say this, then I'll be fine. As soon as, I, as soon as I get back at this person, I'll make this comment and then, then I'll be settled. Realizing that you're just, all you're doing is creating a ripple effect that's going to come back at you. Yeah. Because yeah. There's, a, there's a ripple effect to every moment, every conversation, yes. good or bad. And so you can either create a good ripple effect or a bad ripple effect. And as you, as you go through this stuff, and especially, you know, it, you can watch other people creating these different ripple effects. Our job as leaders is to sort of manage those people and see if we can't guide them. Can't always immediately turn them. You can guide them. And, you know, um, I think that uh, the, the, the phrase in, in, um, in the Navy is, uh, you know, you can't turn a ship pretty quickly. Right. You know? And you can't turn a culture very quickly. No, no. You know that. And so it takes precision and timing and a lot of effort to make sure that everything is operating properly. Yeah. People are um, always, almost always in big brain unless something happens, right? And when something happens, that's where we have to take over. And if we do so, we listen, as leaders, we can say the wrong thing. We can, we can goof up and we can say something. And the only thing I say, a quick apology, uh, you know what? I shouldn't have said it like that. And yeah. also, there's no expiration date. Yeah. Don't ever, uh, uh, three weeks ago, we were in that meeting. I don't think I should have said it like that. So, but yeah, get, please forgive me for that. Just that, those little things go miles. You're building trust when you do that. You're, you're, you know, you're acknowledging where you came up short. So you're holding, you're holding a a high standard to the team. And when you violate that standard, you have to admit it. You have to say, well, I didn't, I wasn't correct here. Because it doesn't go away in their minds that they know. Right. And so we have, the only way we erase it is by having that apology. And I, listen, I feel grateful that we've been able to do all this stuff. And I think that, you know, the, one of the best, um, examples of um big brain little brain is a movie called um groundhog day <laughs> one of my favorites <laughs> yeah one of my favorites but it is exactly big brain little brain and if you notice that the movie is about a weatherman right who says the storm's not coming in right and then but he wants to, doesn't want to go to this little town of Puxatani. and he he's there he all he wants to do is leave and he can't leave because the weather system he predicted wasn't coming in, came in. And so the weather system doesn't let him leave. And he, they, he, so he has to repeat that day over and over and over again. And he is a snarky, rude, yes. sarcastic person all the way through. And, and until the very end, finally, he goes through a day where he's nice to everybody and everything's, everything's better. And he wants to, the girl and, and he finally gets the girl when he is sincerely, genuinely yes. treating everybody right. So, I mean, the metaphor there is that we all create our own weather systems, you know? And so if we, if you, if you want clear weather, clearly communicate. And, if, and, and if you want, I guess in your face, rough seas, if you want uh, <laughs> clear weather, communicate clearly. Yeah. That's great. I love it. And, and, you know, and for our listeners, uh, if you haven't watched Groundhog Day, watch that movie. It's a great, it's a great analogy and it's a great movie. So um, this has been great. I really appreciate everything you've shared with us. How can people find out more about this new book and, and your company and, and what have you? Well, uh, BigBrainLittleBrain.com is the website. And I've got a couple of uh, sheets there, um, worksheets that you can utilize. 
we talked about activators and there's an activator worksheet people can just download for free uh, so they can highlight the activators in their own life, uh, things that bother them, that annoy them. And there's also one on um, neutral. Okay. Where they, where they can write down their neutral phrase or neutral word in this little bubble that we put there so they can real, they can practice it. So, you know, the idea is get as many people as we can into neutral but before they, you know, let little brain take over. And I feel so grateful that I've been able to share this with your audience. Thank you so much. No, so thank I really, you. I, 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 appreciate I, it. I need a neutral word. So I'm, I'm really, that part about it is something I really like to be able to just have that moment to diffuse and, and, yeah. and respond correctly versus reacting to, yeah. to the stimulus that's hitting me. So I think that's, that's a big takeaway for me is finding that neutral word word that I can train on and I can have that muscle memory so that I just uh I might be that guy when somebody cuts me off that I get angry. So <laughs> I need well, to stop I think, that. <laughs> I think we've all been there and we all have a big brain. We all have a little brain and we all have a choice. Yes. No, that's fantastic. Well uh this has been great. I'll put um uh links to all all these resources in the show notes so people can get it to get to it. And I really encourage everyone to pick up this book. It's called Big Brain, Little Brain, How to Control Which One Speaks for You. And we've learned that if the little brain is speaking for you, not things don't work out really too too well. So you got to yeah. get that big brain talking. And uh, this has been really, really helpful. So thank you, Kevin, for all of your uh, wisdom and insight today. John, I appreciate the time. I really appreciate the conversation. This has been enlightening for me as well. I've enjoyed it. It's been really good. So thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care.